This is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I wanted to invite our listeners, who we call Mavericks, to the Renew Energy Holiday Party. It'll be on Thursday, December 5th, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. in Hudson Hall in Jersey City. We'll also be celebrating the 50th episode of the Solar Maverick Podcast, and we appreciate you making it one of the most popular podcasts in solar. The cost to attend the event is $10, and food will be served. Also, our co-hosts, for the podcast, Suzanne Waters and Lee Wang will also be there and some of the guests that we've interviewed on previous podcasts. We're going to have more information about the holiday party in the notes of the podcast, and I hope to see you at Hudson Hall on Thursday, December 5th. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks. So we thought of the right brand, and then one day he's just like, I know the brand name, Mishka brand. I said, there's no way I'm putting my name on a bunch (laughs) of jars of weed. What are you talking about? Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick Podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangent, so let's get into it. Welcome to the Solar Maverick Podcast. This is your host, Benoit Thange, and I'm excited to have our two guests, Steve and Mishka. They're from MMD Shops. If you don't know, they actually, it's in their name, Medical Marijuana Dispensary. That's what MMD Shop stands for. It was founded actually in 2006, opening their first medical dispensary in North Hollywood. And they've been in the forefront of advocating for safe and legal access to cannabis for over a decade. And then a little bit more about Steve and Mishka. They joined Firsts in 2006 to open one of Los Angeles' first legal medical marijuana dispensaries. And the Solar Maverick podcast is about solar and entrepreneurship. We've actually interviewed someone outside of the solar who is an entrepreneur. Her name was Tiffany Fan. She's a CEO and founder of Mogul. And I'm excited to have you both Steve awesome. and Mishka on Thank the podcast. Thank you for having us, Benoit. Thank you yeah, for having us. Definitely. I think our audience would love to hear your story and everyone wants to learn about cannabis. And also, too, we were talking before about energy consumption regarding grow and specifically how maybe even renewable energy could be in it. But it's amazing. Absolutely. They're inevitably bound to make a marriage together as it's going to happen. We want to thank you, Benoit, for asking us to be a part of your podcast. I don't know if uh, the people listening know how cool you are. <laughs> and, um, realize... I don't know if I'm as cool as you guys. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, just some, on, just something on the, about solar. Yeah, yeah. So, if you get the pleasure to get to know this guy one day, he's a rock star and at the top of his field, and we're honored to be friends. So we're excited to be here with you. Yeah, I'm honored to be your friends as well, and we're talking to to the cannabis experts, uh, everyone it's who true. doesn't know the story of MD Shops, I think this is a great opportunity for our listeners to learn about you guys. And I feel like as well from your experiences, you can impart a lot of wisdom with being one of the most experienced medical cannabis dispensaries yeah. Yeah. in the US. I, yeah, I think as the years went on, since we started doing this, it kind of started from taboo subject and it kind of in years morphed into this thing where everybody wants to know 
about the cannabis industry. Everybody wants to be in the cannabis industry. <laughs> yes. You know, my Uber driver yesterday was just telling me, he said, oh, I was thinking about getting into cannabis. How do I do it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, well, if you have about two months of riding time, I could maybe yes. get into about a half a percent of it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's one of those spaces that everybody, love it or hate it, everybody's curious and everybody wants to get into the business now, whether they want to be investing in it or they want to be exploring it. Everybody wants to get into business, which is great. It really brings a lot of uh, amazing talent to the forefront. Brings some interesting characters as well, but uh, we totally believe in fair market and we believe that the best players should rest at the top. We're actually really happy for professionals and people at the top of their field interested in cannabis because it's becoming such a big and real industry that it's not just for people that just love consuming cannabis. It's developing as an industry. Yeah, it's really great to see these really amazing minds come to the forefront that we get to learn from because we happen to be cannabis connoisseurs that turned into a thriving businessman. But some of these other people come from much different backgrounds, kind of like you. You come from a solar energy background and you're the man, but you want to talk to us about cannabis on your podcast. So it's pretty nifty to be here. Yeah, definitely. It would be great, actually, if you could talk about how you guys partnered up to start MMD Shops back in 2006. Can you talk so, about, I know you talked about So we were born. <laughs> 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 and mom said, you got to play nice with your brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was it. That was the future. <laughs> we kind of grew up sharing everything. We have an older brother as well. We don't like to share with him. <laughs> Just kidding. We've always been always close since we were kids. We never fought. We came to this country with five people and not much more than a few hundred dollars. You know, we really had nothing. So we really depended on each other to survive. We didn't grow up with all the fancy toys in the world and all the video game consoles. We got to play sports and we got to play with each other. We were each other's entertainment. We would protect each other or they would protect me because I was small. And and it was a very, very close-knit family unit, which has been an interesting dynamic going into the business aspect of it. Yeah, they say don't go into business with family. Yeah, They're right. (laughs) (laughs) And I do happen to think, for the most part, people are right, unless you actually have the relationship that you have where you respect each other's boundaries. Definitely. You don't step over the boundaries. I think that might be the biggest reason for our success of actually being able to work together is just we don't step over each other's boundaries. We know we let each other thrive in the things that the other one is good at. Sure. You know what I mean? We give each other the opportunity to excel at the functions that we excel at. I happen to be a good salesman and really good with distribution. And that's the portion that I focus on where he's really focused on compliance and logistics and accounting and the back of the house stuff. And the truth is, is one couldn't really work without the other. So we're just... Especially uh, in this industry. And also there's a lot of things that we're overlapping. We've actually done kind of um, competition with our salespeople out on the floor where we'll take a counter oh, and they take a counter. Totally. We just shame them. <laughs> Meaning like we put them to shame as far as sales goes. Yeah. Like there's no one better as salespeople of our product behind our counters than us. Because there's no one else that cares as much and that's the truth. If somebody else cares as much, I believe that they could be 
they, they should be an owner or better sure, or they, they, they are they're an owner they should be an owner they deserve to be an owner but the way we got started in this business after this long introduction and to our childhood well, this, this is really good um, and it sounds like you compliment each other really well <laughs> <laughs> we do yeah we do me as an older brother i'm really happy about much that. much older <laughs> yeah. eh, not that much older but, <laughs> 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 but i'm the less gray one yeah I'm the less gray one in 2006 we started hearing about some people opening up licensed dispensaries the first one we actually heard of was in san francisco there was a dispensary in san francisco i think they started in 96 oh wow uh, with a cooperative model Mm -hmm. there was no licensing at all like they were just cooperating Mm -hmm. there was a senate bill i think sb 420 Mm -hmm. that passed in 96 yeah Yeah. sb 420 basically allowed for cultivation and being able to provide marijuana as medicine to patients as a cooperative model. I would grow the marijuana and you guys would be part of my collective and you guys can reimburse me for growing the marijuana to use for your ailments. So in 96, I think, going forward to 2006, there was a couple of more cooperatives opened it up around happening. here. It started sure. happening. Between 1996 and 2006, they started poking up and people started we trying started hearing, it. Oh, look at this. We have this medicinal marijuana really it kind of started after uh, the dave Chappelle movie about the medical marijuana what was, was that how movie? high how high no. Yeah. no was it how high no, no i think no, it was it was, no. it was a different it was uh, baked or something oh half baked half half baked i'm not sure anyway i'm not sure anyway too much it, of it, our it own a, cannabis it was a, it was a movie about about um, <laughs> basically dave Chappelle worked at a cannabis like a medical clinic dispensary and the weed was magic or whatever around 2006 we started seeing like people bringing down like packaged joints and packaged cannabis like in real packaging not like in dime bags or eighth bags where you buy from a dealer and then we started researching it we found an attorney and we realized that there's a way to we were real young probably naive because we were taking such a big risk back then the risks back then were different than the risks today the risks today is you get in trouble and you have to you pay your fines and you get audited and stuff like that the risks back then were going to prison going into to it we were young we were motivated we were hungry and we heard that this new cannabis thing was starting to take off so we started researching it we went to the different dispensaries we got our marijuana recommendation cards yep. we went to the at this point there were only just a couple dispensaries in west hollywood at the time and they were really really busy and then we just said you know what let's just go get do a it let's go we get a lawyer a, and let's we formed, check it formed out. a non-profit corporation went to the office of finance and filed for a business license but we made sure at that time when they say what's your business we said retail what type of retail a lot of people said oh we're selling lotions we sell marijuana and that worked out in our favor because september 2007 the city came out with an ordinance and they allowed for people to sign up with that ordinance as a medical marijuana collective it was called the pre-ico interim control ordinance so the people that signed up i think there was about 140 around 140 or 143 dispensaries that signed up to that list and it was estimated about 600 people didn't because they were afraid of prosecution prosecution sure and 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 rightfully so some people went to prison for it you know the guy who's actually in charge of 
the entire social equity movement in the United States right now is a gentleman by the name of Virgil. I forget his last name at the moment, but he's even the guy that came out to New Jersey and started the social equity movement there. He went to prison for seven years, unjustifiably. He was just running a legal marijuana dispensary. It was a scary time. If enforcement wanted to get you or they thought for some reason you weren't a good operator, they would find a reason to shut you down. Just because shut you, you down like, and arrest you, shut you down so and arrest you. We I mean. always made it a point to always check for IDs, to not accept anybody just, under the, tw- the age of just 21. Be completely above board Although no matter what. Patients could be 18 and over. It was told by our amazing attorney, which we still have now, is look, you can take patients 18 and over, but there's a couple of laws that they can get you on. Aaron Lachant at MMLG. If you're actually looking to get into the cannabis space anywhere in the country, he's probably the leader of the new licensing movement. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a one. wonderful guy and probably couldn't do what we do without him. Very serious, very good attorney. And he runs a great consulting firm for licensing. And he's passionate. Uh, and he's very, very good. He writes applications. He's an amazing guy. I think in City of LA for the pre-ICO, for the licensing, he was a um, 100% success rate with approvals with his of clients. his applications sure. in, oh, in wow. the City of LA. That, that's huge. He's great. We don't necessarily want to give out some all the secret sauce, but, <laughs> yeah. but he's done so much for us that we like to scream his name from a rooftop. Yeah, man, we were young. We were a little naive and, and we decided to jump into it. And it's been an amazing ride pretty much ever since. We've definitely had some of our struggles which everyone has yeah but i mean it's amazing to see can you talk about like the growth of your first dispensary to now something like we were doing the projections the other day and it's something like we grew 27 times over basically wow that's amazing congratulations Throughout our career, we've opened at least over 20 retail doors of cannabis, and we control four under the MMD brand at this point. But we've moved, we've sold, we've basically had over 20 grand openings of, yeah. of cannabis over, retail. Over 20 sure. doors open over our career span, but now we control five adult use retail outlets with also interested licensing and some of the new consumption spaces in West Hollywood. And a cultivation facility and a distribution, and a distribution facility. facility as distribution well. Distribution licensing. And then the next move is obviously new and emerging markets, or not obviously, but the next move is new and emerging markets for a multi-state platform. Yeah, we're going out to different states to apply for licensing. We have a lot of experience in this industry, and I think it seems like a natural progression. And what's happening right now, which is the cool part, something interesting for some of your listeners, because of the way that the competitive application is written, one of the major parts of that competitive application is previously licensed operational experience, which we happen to have 14 years of, which is kind of like a magical cannabis unicorn. Definitely not many Um, people have Not many people have 14 years of licensed operational experience. I know you guys have your own proprietary brands. You're selling cannabis retail. What then made you go into creating your own brands? Specifically, I guess the Mishka brand as well. The Mishka brand was, uh, (laughs) that's my name. But it definitely wasn't my idea at first. My brother, after (laughs) years and years and years of pushing other brands and helping this industry's leaders get to the top of the food chain, we said, you know what? This industry is really changing. We have to put our own spin on things and put our name on something that we'd been doing for years anyway. So we thought and thought and thought of the right brand. And then one day he's just like... I know the brand name, Mishka brand. I said, there's no way I'm putting my name on on a bunch of jars of weed. What are you talking about? So Mishka in Russian means friendly bear. It really just made sense. I was like, who doesn't love a friendly bear? Yeah. You're like a bear. Mishka just, it made so much sense to me. I was like, shut up. 
the brand name the is brand Mish name Kaber. Is Mish Kaber. Sure. And and it's getting great reviews and people love the branding and they they love we get a what ton the of brand press is. from it. Yeah, we it's get like, oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, we get a lot of recognition for that brand. And ultimately, we, we wanted to have our own brand is because we believe everything is eventually going to end up in brands. Yeah, and you should check out if you haven't seen the Mishka. It's a, a friendly bear that they have on their logo, and I guess you sell merch. That's actually as well. my. They designed the logo after my face. Oh, that's right. You told me this before. <laughs> yeah. It actually. Now that I'm looking closely, yeah, I do see it's it. Pretty it's attractive uh, it's a jar, bear. isn't it? Definitely. It pays homage to our Russian heritage. We're from Belarus. So it's kind of like a Russian bear, and it's got a little Russian-style lettering. Then uh, also on the, the logo. fact that the California logo is a bear. It's also, and, yeah, that's and true. The, you too. know what I mean? And really, yes. we just want when people see the Mishka brand, we want them to know that it's always going to have a consistency of quality. We only put the best flowers in those jars for putting our name on it. We want it to be the best. This episode of the Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Podcast Laundry, the podcast concierge service that I use to make sure that my listeners hear the best quality show. They do the dirty work of podcasting for me. Yes, graphics, quotes, show notes, master editing, and much more. All I have to do is record. So if you're a busy podcaster like me with an engaged audience and want to free up time to do more of what you'd love to do, like going to the gym or spending time with loved ones, go to podcastlaundry.com to schedule your consultation or call 347 7118273 that's podcastlaundry.com or 3478718273 thank you and it was interesting too you mentioned about the cultivation business i know when we had the conversation before and you walked me through your cultivation business that you guys really look at yourself as more the retail, the sales. Can you talk about what made you get into cultivation? I know we talked about this a little bit before, but it was interesting to see. And I love how you all call it the microbrewery concept. So essentially, it was a necessity. We needed quality product that was safe and consistent for our consumers. So the only way that you were able to cultivate back when is if it was turned into a microbrewery kind of attached to your retail space. Think of yeah. like a microbrewery with a restaurant yeah. and bar next for to it. Sure. There was no way of getting a separate licensing for cultivation, for distribution, for manufacturing, and for retail. Yeah. It was just the retail. Before, it was a cooperative model. So sure. you basically produced what you sold. You were just able to have a retail space, but your production has to be attached to your retail, yes. kind of like a microbrewery. Now it's a little different. You can apply for various different licenses, license types, and just perform that function. As it should be, because yeah. the truth is Budweiser isn't made in the back of a Ralph's. Yeah, As it should that's be. That's a good yes. analogy. But... As it stands now, one of our locations in North Hollywood is ran like is, a microbrewery. Micro yeah. And when we, when we started it, it was a pretty big one. By today's standards, it's not tiny, but it's more of a microbrewery where we concentrate on very boutique, exotic flowers. And that's mostly yeah. where we produce our Mishka brand. There are definitely some Budweiser's shaping up out there. That's all they do is that they produce flour. Yeah. They produce cannabis. They're not interested in retail. They're interested in relationship with retailers like us to be able to sell their product and develop their own brands as well. And they do a wonderful job at it. The fact that like these new agriculturalists are coming into the space, teaching us 15-year-old weed guys like 
what to do after two months of, of growing this product. <laughs> yeah. It's eye-opening. Top yeah. of the food chain. Yeah, when you have somebody growing Brussels sprouts for 30 or 40 years, for them, it's, it's just changing a seed. It takes some time Absolutely. to scale it. Yeah. You know what Absolutely. I mean? It's, not... it's a specialized flower that you need to know how it needs to look at the end, how to pay attention to the terpene profiles and how the plant's life cycle. But for an agriculturalist, it's not a hard thing to figure out. And once they dial it in, the days of growing in your garage or in a warehouse are over. You have farms. I mean, if you've ever driven through California and through the farmland, I mean, you're driving for hours and hours and hours of rows of plants or trees. This is what I envision cannabis to be within the next five ten to ten years. years. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And in California, you know, we grow some of the best cannabis in the world. Northern California has become a, a real staple for just beautiful cannabis. If you ever drive up to 101 in deep northern California before you hit the Oregon border around the month of October, all you got to do is roll down your window and you can't go into that town without smelling like a skunk, you yeah. know, and it's just... Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. Right now, definitely, we, we very much encourage that everybody gets into the licensed cannabis space. Don't go into the illegal trade. Those days are over. We need to move on and turn this into an industry. It needs to be taxed, it needs to be regulated, and it needs to be... Uh, available for the open market. Not to- overregulated. This is amazing. I think this is a lot of great, valuable information. You actually mentioned this a little bit before. What are your future goals and growth plans for MMD? I know you mentioned about world going- domination. World domination. <laughs> we look forward to being a major staple in the retail space of the cannabis multi state coast to coast, we want to be the Starbucks in your Whole Foods stand. Our biggest dream is to have an MMD cannabis stand in the Whole Foods one day. We want to be the trusted name in cannabis from somebody, whether they're in New Jersey, whether they're in Hollywood, whether they're in New York, if they call MMD and they get some cannabis from there, it's trusted, it's reliable, it's safe. And it's just and it's overall good. a good good it's product. Good. And it's high THC, high THC level. <laughs> or you know, it's, it's, it's it's all of it. You know what I mean? It's, it'd be yeah. the same experience that you would have ordering any product from a reliable. We don't look at it as as we're competing with other cannabis retailers. We're competing with Starbucks. We're competing yeah. with other big name retailers. That's an interesting way to look yeah. at it. Yeah. yeah, because this product is going to be normalized, whether you like it or not. Now, there's some amazing operators out there now that are real competition and they're great but really it's taking time and the people that care about it and that are doing it successfully are really like separating from the people who kind of don't when this industry comes out and you're going to see it when it comes to new jersey and and all these other places when it first gets there everybody wants to grab at it and do any part of it. When we first started, we wanted to do cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, brand development, (laughs) retail. We wanted to make our own nutrients. We wanted to do everything under the sun. And then we realized like, hey man, we suck at most of those things, but we're pretty good at this one or two things. And we kind of stick to our lane and we scale that. And how do you think you guys differentiate yourselves as a retailer than maybe the other operators out there? Quality of service, honesty, and reliability. Yeah, and consistency. Consistency. Yeah. Not only in product, consistency in standard operating procedures. Hard work. You'll see us at all of our stores. Sometimes you'll see us actually go around and pass out flyers when we have a grand opening. Me, you know, Steve and Mishka are passing out flyers. And then there's some people that we sometimes run into that know us. And they're like, hey, what are you guys doing here? Blah, blah. And we're like, oh, we're hanging, you know, we're, we're walking around. Here's a card. We just sure. opened a store down the street. They're like, wait a minute. 
No way. You guys are passing out cards? Yeah. He's like, what are you talking about? We're like, well, it's our opening day. We got to wrestle up some business. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got to get some people. We got to get the bus going. Definitely. In addition to us doing it, we probably have at the moment about 10 to 15 street team members walking around doing the same thing in <laughs> MMD shirts. On top of that, we but, probably have over 150 employees across the company. We're estimated to do roughly around $30 million in sales this year. Yeah. We're a big player. So it's uncommon to see people passing out flyers when they're scaling a company and trying to take it sure. public, public. You know yes. what I mean? Great. Honestly, when you spend a lot of time with Steve and Mishka, they're very humble. They don't have an ego. They're about getting things done. And I mean, that's also what made you successful because there people could see you and you're passionate about the product. So that's great to hear that no matter how much success that you guys have, you're still about doing the things that made you successful. When we do a billion dollars in sales, it's going to be the same thing. It's still going to be the same people and we'll just have a funner podcast probably. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, we, we, we love... With you there, with you we, there. We, <laughs> we, we, we love the hustle. Even if when we have our future CEO to actually run the business, the business side of yeah. things, I think we're going to be doing the same thing. This is what we kind of claim to our success is the relationships that we form. And it's our way of expressing ourselves from a creative standpoint, just as a business. As you know better than anyone else, business is all about relationships. I've been in meetings with Steve and Mishka, and they're all, all about the hustle. I mean, and they make a great impression. You guys come as very genuine and sincere and passionate, and I think that makes a huge difference. When yeah. Thank you. people get to meet you so yeah. that's great to hear thank you thank you guys are going with the yeah. street team we're, we're going for it we're going for it we have huge goals we're humble yeah. but we are at the same time we're very shrewd businessmen we know what we're worth we know how to make a deal we know how to finalize a deal it's just we like doing the hustle. We're really good at creating revenue streams, and we're really good at like scaling those revenue streams. But at the same time, we realized that the only way we got there was by going on that street and passing out flyers and getting to know the community and loving the process. If we get to the point where we're too good to pass out flyers... We're probably going to sell the company. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) We're probably ready to retire. We had a meeting with uh, one of our guys that we know actually from also from back in 2006 or seven. Kind of one of the guys that we grew up with in the business. Mm -hmm. He also has a retail, but they chose to actually go into the production and cultivation side pretty in the large way. His company is ready to go public. They've been prepping it, I think, in the next half a year or so they're going to start going public. And we're sitting down and in this industry, everybody, because everybody's such a fast-growing industry. Everybody's really excited to go public and they think you go public and you retire. And he's like, you know, most people don't realize this is when you actually start becoming responsible to your shareholders and that's when actually the actual real work starts. Yeah, starts you know? They're like, yo, he's like, he's like, yo, baby, I made it. I went public. I'm out. They're like, no, no, you just got started. You just went on the public stock exchange. Like, yeah. this is where you like actually have to work. work yeah. And he's like, I'm ready for an exit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's not like that. But we're excited. We're excited about the work. We're excited about the expansion. We're excited that we even get to be having these conversations about potentially taking our company public one day. Your listeners can buy some stuff. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that, that, that sounds amazing. Also, we have reservations about going public and staying private. 
there's also those considerations, you know, it's just, I guess, whatever makes sense. Yeah, definitely. That yeah. makes sense. And then I don't know if you want to get into as well that you guys are also thinking about creating your own content as well. Yes. We've been presented with some opportunities to create some non-scripted television. You it's know, kind of like very, a, a comedy docuseries. We've gotten connected to some very, very good people in that space. And I can't say enough good things about them without mentioning anybody's names. A very solid, solid group of people that has been very successful, have been very successful in that space. And I think we complement each other and you know, kind of recognize each other's ability in Definitely. our own space. You might see something coming up within the next year or so. It's the weirdest thing where you've been a businessman for the past 13, 14 years, even longer in my case. Yeah, um, you had another yeah, business. I yes, remember you talked to me about yeah, that. Yeah. Was... And then the producers call you talent. So that's the weirdest <laughs> thing to hear yes. is when you're in these meetings about television. Yes. Our role is talent. But we know it's not meant in that way. Yes, definitely. But I think it'll be a great show. I mean, I yeah. think it'll provide great perspective everyone's curious about cannabis you guys would be great on tv also too your your interactions as well as brothers i think would be great on uh, reality we, we do have TV pretty show. good chemistry and don't it, we do and, and, it, funny. And, it, and, it really, and it really shows the yeah. american dream you know what i mean That's because true. literally we're two brothers who came to this country with nothing our father clawed his way to getting a job to buying a house to providing our father bought his first house after three or four years, three or four years of living, of in, living in the United That's States. That's amazing. Yeah. He went with nothing. With right? nothing. We came yeah. with $200 per family member and there were six of us. I know Michael said five of us. I made a mistake, but it was six of us. It was our grandma, three brothers and mm-hmm. parents. Oh, I forgot about grandma. Basically, the only thing we were allowed to take coming from Soviet Union is $200 per family member. That's it. So dad came out here within two days. He was a painter by trade. Within two days, he found a very nice gentleman who gave him a job. He started working for him as a painter because he ran a crew of 30 or 40 people in Russia. Quickly became the crew leader, opened his own company in a couple of years, got his GC, opened his own company in a couple of years, and showed us that like you just gotta work your fucking ass yeah. off. You know yeah. what I mean? There is no magic pill. It doesn't exist. The funny no thing is, is some of his crew guys from Russia are working for his crew now. Again, that's amazing. They, they All migra- these years later, they migrated yeah. and they've been working for him for here now for twenty something wow, years. Wow, that's amazing. I mean? So he's got about a fifty people crew, and he's doing construction remodeling. He's doing his trade, something that he did for what for fifteen years or twenty years in Russia. His whole life. Yeah, that's an amazing story. I mean, as well, my parents are immigrant parents as well, so I understand they came as well to New York City with a few hundred dollars and it's just amazing with hard work and drive and intelligence it's all about hard work well that's why we're here in this country is because if you work hard here there's no other place you're going to make it like you will here definitely as as long as you work hard you just have to work your ass off yeah there's no excuse there's no magic pill doesn't matter it does not exist unless you were born with a really beautiful bank account and if you were, that's awesome. God bless you for that. But for the rest of us, it's just about hard work. Yeah, this is a great American story. Yeah. yeah. When's the book coming out? We're proud of- <laughs> 2020. <laughs> <laughs> the show is about solar and entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship. You mentioned one key thing is hard work. Is there any other suggestions that you would have with someone who wants to start their own business from your experience? I think, first of all, hard work and drive and that hunger is one of the most important things and 
I think being able to make a decision and be decisive on what you want and just going for it, just doing yes, it. Look, that's true. We failed many more times than we actually succeeded. It's just the times that we've succeeded were we that much more impactful than the failures. You fail, get up and start again. It's like a sport. The more you fail, the better you get at it and the less you let it affect you. You get up and do it again. Pick something that you have a passion for. Don't follow the money. Follow the passion. Find something that you genuinely have a passion for that you can find a way to make a revenue stream from. Stick to it. Focus. Don't give up. And if you fail, try something else. But don't give up. There is no magic pill. Every morning you wake up and you get your ass up and you get to work. And you think about it nonstop. You think about it, you get addicted to this product. You get addicted to your business. But no, you tell them more than anything, you travel to fucking five different states in the last four days, you know, doing conferences (laughs) and podcasts. And nobody's waking you up in the morning saying, hey, you have to be here at six o'clock in the morning. You wake up excited to go to work. We all realize that paying bills is not your issue. No, definitely You know what not. I mean? Like, you, 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 you know, Definitely not. <laughs> Fam, that hasn't been my issue in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all realize that. It's the passion that drives you. It's, yeah. the, it's the love for what you do that drives you. So my encouragement to people is to find something that they love to do, that they love getting up and doing whatever it is that they love doing. Doing. But a lot of people misconstrued it, in my opinion, misunderstand uh, the actual work ethic and to be able to build up to it and being able to eat shit, to be able to do what you love. Because for the first half of your career of actually doing what you love, you're going to eat shit. You're absolutely going to live worse than any one of your friends, <laughs> probably. Or that, your employees. Or employees. Yeah, that's true. That's another great We've had businesses where employees have made money for five years before we started making money money, from it. And we're like, and they're complaining to us, like, oh, I'm not making enough money. And like, are you sure, asshole? (laughs) (laughs) I have a question. What about you? Well, I think you actually mentioned the two things other than hard work. Definitely, I think a lot of people are scared about failure, but failure is the best teacher in life. And that's where you learn to adapt. The most successful people people fail more than the average person. Honestly, I've failed so many times. People might not necessarily see it, but I've gotten a lot smarter from the failures and the growth. And then I don't really look at it as a negative. I look at it as a learning experience where a lot of people get stuck in their failures and then they can't move past it. They're still living in the past. So it's about staying in the moment and then doing everything that you can to progress. And working hard, I think, is obviously very smart, but I think it's also too working smart or being strategic. That's a huge thing. And I think a great point that Mishka mentioned is being passionate about it. I get up at 4.35 o'clock in the morning because I'm passionate about renewable energy. I'm passionate about sustainable. I love being an entrepreneur. I mean, it's the greatest game out there. You know what I mean? And especially too, you guys could relate to this. I mean, with cannabis, it's going to be one of the fastest growing industries in the US. And there's so much innovation. There's so many 
players coming into the market, almost similar to the solar space yeah. as well. So we're kind of seeing the same things that you were talking about, which is funny because it's two totally different industries, but they're still the same, similar. There are a lot of people entering. It's almost like the wild, wild west, cowboys and Indians. And kind of what you guys mentioned as well, it's about the product and it's about being honest and transparent and being available. And so it's interesting because I could relate to a lot of the things that you were saying, even though I'm in a totally different totally industry. Different space. Yeah. We're still talking about the same concepts uh, I mean, and ideas. Sooner than later, I'm sure renewable energy and solar are going to be hand-in-hand operators with cannabis producers. Well, it's going to be a major factor in cannabis production. Moving forward, the thing that I don't think the industry realizes yet, and they're going to, is that cannabis producers use way too much energy. It's not efficient. It's not efficient at all. With the new technology of LEDs hitting the market and with solar energy and renewable energy getting more efficient and smaller in size and the technology growing every single day, I think the collaboration of the two is quite frankly inevitable and probably going to be a requirement of these states, definitely, not absolutely. just something that we want to get into because we want to save a little bit of money on the production aspect of it. I think once we actually start manufacturing this product on a national level, we're going to realize like, hey, you guys can't use this much energy. It's not even right. The greenhouses are basically, it's not only just a greenhouse where you use this power of the sun. They're actually substituted with the 1,000 watt light bulbs, just like you would have in an indoor facility, which enables you to have more cycles and more harvest throughout the year versus just a regular greenhouse where you just use the sunlight, where you harvest once a year now you have these facilities that are 300,000 sophisticated greenhouses where you are able to have five harvests per year using the sunlight and substituting sunlight with your regular grow lights within that and sophisticated and now greenhouse. everybody's really going to the LED space. With LED, it's different than like your normal halogen lights because with halogen lights, you have to keep them six feet away from the plant or they will burn the plant. With the LED technology, they don't get hot. We can cool them with water. Uh, we can get them six inches away from the lamp, from the which means the we can do sure. a vertical system where if we have a ceiling height, we can do multiple rows of rows, cannabis. Sure. So again, that just means that we're going to be using more power, Definitely. more, more power. energy, because you end up, more air you actually end up you know? using just as much wattage for LEDs as you do for regular HPS light bulbs. Yeah. Because you use more, more of them. Sure. Yeah. And you know, as the consumers grow as the new markets open up there is no cannabis consumption and cannabis as an industry is not getting smaller anytime soon it's only growing larger so it is going to be an issue and it's something that a group of people should really start thinking about how the two can merge because inevitably it's happening anyway well for one instance city of desert hot springs wanted to be in the forefront of cannabis production They wanted to be known the city for production. So they allocated millions of square feet towards cannabis production cultivation. What they realized is they didn't have enough power on their grid for that square footage. So it was a huge problem at some point for these cultivators that paid for their licensing. They started building their facilities and realized they didn't have enough power. So now the city of Desert Hot Springs... The city itself didn't have enough power. The city of Desert Hot Springs is 
at a race to the finish line to try to bring in more power or, from Edison sure. or whoever they're working right, with definitely. to set up a bigger grid. Basically. To set up a bigger yeah. grid. But the truth is, is that's counterproductive. Like, really, we should be working with renewable energy. We should be working with solar panels. We should be finding out ways to be more efficient and better for the planet. Yeah, better energy efficiency. Yeah. And it's interesting because obviously New Jersey is potentially going to legalize marijuana. We've been contacted by so many companies within New Jersey about incorporating solar. And obviously people usually who are in the cannabis space want the energy to be renewable. You mentioned obviously LED, energy efficiency, renewable energy, even battery storage as well. Like all these technologies are going to basically kind of merge part of the energy usage is huge for the development of cannabis and obviously renewable resources and energy efficiency is going to be a big part of it. I presume the greenhouses in New Jersey, because of the winter, are going to need heating. They're not going to be most likely using gas heating. They're going to be using heaters that are electric. It's a massive waste of power. I'm very much looking forward to you personally tackling that problem (laughs) and and fixing it for the rest of the world. Because it's true. It's happening anyways. Our electricity bills are enormous. Yeah, it was amazing to kind of see within, obviously you had that separate pool that was created and then to see all the ballast and the light bulbs and the other units, electrical units, I can't even all imagine. The air conditioning. Air conditioning. And it's not like it's a huge space. It's a very small, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're talking about a 4,500 square foot space with 55 tons of AC and over 100 1,000 light bulbs. Sure. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had to upgrade our panels and build a whole new pole just to feed a 4,500 square foot unit. And that, quite frankly, isn't even close to enough just to supply our retail chains. In order to meet the demand with the appropriate amount of supply, the amount of power that we're using is baffling. I don't think this our cultivation space is enough to supply even one store. So that gives you an idea for the listeners. You guys are in charge of the renewable energy industry, I think that you guys should definitely think about. Definitely an interesting topic. There's a huge business opportunity. There's a huge business opportunity. And as things grow in Los Angeles, when people are growing indoors, you don't have enough space to put up solar panels. But when you're in Desert Hot Springs, when you're in New Jersey, out in the agriculture areas, those places might have enough space and it might be making more and more sense. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of opportunity. And this is something as an industry, as cannabis becomes more popular obviously the energy needs are going to increase and how can we incorporate renewables absolutely well this is amazing podcast i appreciate your time steve and mishka thank you we appreciate it thank you benoit we love hanging out with you and we love the fact that you're the coolest guy in the renewable energy space (laughs) (laughs) well that's just by default but Well, besides the guy that comes to my house like twice a week, tries to sell me solar panels. <laughs> Residentially. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, that guy's super cool, too. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do his I podcast throw, tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> I've thrown him out a couple of times to where my wife was like, can you stop talking to that guy this yeah. way, please? Oh, that's pretty funny. And um, <laughs> thank you so much for letting us be a part of it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we hope we gave a small glimpse of into what the cannabis industry is. 
Yeah, definitely. This good, was very good helpful. luck out there, everybody. Yeah, definitely. And then if they want to learn more about MMD Shops, where is the best way they could learn get more they information? Can come to MMDShops.com. It's being built now, but it's ready for pickup orders. Be able to actually order a product from one of our four locations through MMDShops.com, and the rest of it is being built. And there's a contact us button over there mm-hmm. that goes to some of our emails. So feel free. Feel free. Great, and they're also on social media as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. MMD MMD Shops. MMD Shops. MMD Hollywood, yeah. the North Hollywood. We had a whole bunch of. And then I saw you actually have a Mishka brand. Mishka brand on Instagram uh, as well. Instagram, exactly. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U-Energy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangin and Kevin Y. Brown. Mm-hmm.